Hey, hockey fans, welcome to Across the Pond, Hockey Talks Volume 19. I'm your host, Chris Ivany, and my guest today is from beautiful Scarborough, Ontario. After finishing law school, he moved to Beijing to kick off his business career. He eventually joined a Silicon Valley law firm and then was a partner at a New York firm, Baker McKenzie. He went on to lead a private equity fund and now continues doing his own projects between Beijing and New York. But today, we are here to talk about his love for hockey and more importantly, the song he wrote in 1993 about the legendary voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. It's my pleasure to welcome to Across the Pond Hockey Talks, Omar Osden, a.k.a. Young Offender. How are you, Omar? Doing great, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Listen, you're in New York City right now. How are things in New York? Uh, New York's a lot better. You know, it's a really resilient town, and we I think we've put the worst past us. Um, the And we're, we have the protests now as well, but they've been largely peaceful except for a few incidents. So New York's doing very good. That's great to hear. Um, so, Omar, uh, we've never gotten to meet personally, so I'd like to, to, to dig a little bit deep here and, and ask you a little bit about your childhood. Tell me about growing up in Scarborough and, uh, and your family. Yeah, so I was born in Hamilton. I grew up in Scarborough. Um, you know, I have a sister, my parents, uh, and I was like any regular Canadian kid, grew up playing hockey, street hockey, at least five or six days a week till our fingers froze, yeah. uh, pond hockey as well. And then uh, I was a part of the Agent Court Lions. Uh, that was high House League and then All-Star uh, in Scarborough. That's the same league that uh, Brad Park is from. Um, and we, um, you know, I uh, eventually went to undergrad in University of Toronto for finance and went to law school in uh Windsor and Detroit, but actually a big part of my life has been in um, in Asia, in Beijing, Hong Kong, and Taipei. Right. So you've been all over the place. Where did, where did your love for hockey first start? Oh, for sure, uh, related to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like yeah. living in Toronto, which everybody says you know um, their town is hockey town. Detroit believes that. Uh, obviously, Montreal believes that. But like, I believe that Toronto is definitely one of the meccas of hockey, and all of us bleed blue and white. Um, you know, I had a I had a Toronto Star uh, newspaper paper route um, when I was a kid, and I remember when I was ten years old, waking up one Sunday to deliver the newspapers and. There was a color photo which said Lanny McDonald traded to the Calgary Flames and my paper route took about two hours to deliver and I was crying the whole time. Oh man, <laughs> you know what? That is that is a sad story. I'm a big Lanny McDonald fan. That is yeah. sad. That was a sad day for you. His big orange mustache yeah. was on the front page of the paper and and it was covered in my tears 
<laughs> you know, I was I was lucky enough to meet Lanny last year at that uh, the exhibition game that happened in in Shenzhen. He was here as an ambassador for the Calgary Flames, and he took the time to take a picture with a cup with us, and and had a few chats with us. And he's in great shape still to this day, and uh, he's still rocking the mustache. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, he's he's a great individual. He certainly is. All right, Omar, let's get right into the main reason we're chatting here today. So you wrote a song in 1993 called The Joe Bowen Rap under the name of Young Offender. So let's... uh, Young Offender. Young Offender. Let's have a listen right now. Zazzle coming out in front. Rolls in front. They score! The Leafs have taken the lead. In Ontario, on the TV or the radio, you know the man, the man I mean, the best I've seen in a melting machine. So to him I wrote this poem about the one and only Joe Bond. He talks, rocks, shocks with heart and soul. His play-by-play is out of control. He's got more energy than most Leaf players. A better delivery than other play players. I'd vote for him if he ran for mayor. Who needs a TV with him on the air? Last time the Leafs scored, he blew my speaker. He must be the son of Howie Meeker. Detroit, St. Louis, and L.A. They all know Joe Bowen came to play. Catch him, save with Felix, save the day. Holy Mackinac, what a save! Bowen. Now comes the front door! Joe Bowen. Wendell Clark! Bowen. Stop by Patrick! Joe Bowen. Scores! Nikolai Borashevsky has scored for Toronto! The Leafs win! The Leafs win! Intense is his middle name. It's like the playoffs for every game. And when Joe needs a stat, there's Gord Stellick covering his back. I don't know how the hell Gord knows all those answers to beat the pros. The jokes they make, the goals they call. But I like it best when they call the brawls. You can hear Joe choke on his word when the fade beat up that visor's nerd. But I know for now Joe was only warming up. Could you imagine when the Leafs win their cup? These two want to go. Now they get in tight. All right, there you have it, you guys. Uh, the Joe Bowen rap. Omar, what was your inspiration for writing the Joe Bowen rap? Obviously, I love the Toronto Maple Leafs, and um, I had actually uh, released a whole bunch of songs as the Young Offender, and um, I had just returned from Taipei, Taiwan, living a year there. Uh, and I released a song there with a major uh, Taiwanese artist. Uh, it wasn't that great. It was a Taiwanese singer singing and me rapping in the middle. And it actually made 
number one. It was um, the first rap song to make number one in the charts in Taiwan. So you could say it's the first rap song to make number one in China, and that was 1992. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, so the fast forward uh, the next year. I had returned back to Toronto, and I was still an undergrad. I had taken a year off uh, to go to Taiwan, and I really had to focus on my homework. I really had to focus on my studies because I I was I was gunning for law school. Right. And so what I would do is instead of going out with friends, uh, my social life <laughs> was basically doing my studies and listening to Leafs games on the radio. So I'd have the the games playing while I would do my work. And, you know, the Leafs went through such a drought. They, they had some exciting teams in the 70s, but really, uh, it was really tough to be a Leafs fan. And all of a sudden, I could feel some momentum in 93. And I remember exactly when the point was when I decided to make the rap song is the Leafs were down five to two against Minnesota. And all of a sudden they had a valiant comeback on February 14th. Um, and they won it with, uh, Zezel scoring. And you can hear the start of the song is Peter. Joe Zezel. Bowen's. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Peter Zezel coming out and all of a sudden scoring and the Leafs win. Okay. Um, so that makes sense. Like, so that was the, that was the point. That was the point in time, and, awesome. and it was also the passion of Joe Bowen. Yeah. And I just decided, you know what? These are such great calls. I started recording them, yeah. and then I put pen to paper, and uh, you know, did did the did the track at home originally at a home studio, and took it to the fan, and they loved it, and they started playing it. The fan was the uh, fan fourteen thirty was the. Uh, uh, sports station at the time. I think it was the first sports station, radio station in Canada, actually. Right. So you're you're overseas listening to Joe Bone and it all, and he inspires you to write this song. Let's talk a little bit about the song itself, the lyrics, some of the great calls that Joe Bowen has made over the years and, and the ones that inspired you and that we can hear when we listen to the song. Sure. Uh, so you know the first one, uh, was the comeback. There's also uh, uh, Nikolai Borshevsky yeah. in that where he scored the winner uh, against Detroit. And you can hear him in the interview as well. They say, what do you think about uh, the goal? He's like, oh, unbelievable. And um, I think that, but I think the best one is the Lafave brown fight. Right. And... That was a classic, and I encourage everyone. You can you can hear the track on YouTube. Um, somebody posted it wasn't me. That somebody did did a website called Down Goes Brown, uh, based on that call. Yeah, and they they posted the the track on YouTube. Uh, but that one was a regular season game where where Lefave, one of my favorite defensemen of all time. Uh, squared off against Robbie Brown of the Chicago Blackhawks, and one punch, Brown was knocked down, and it felt like Joe Bowen and Gord Stelic were calling a boxing match. It yeah. was amazing. Um, I think that's the best call. 
Well, he's had some amazing ones over the years. I mean, yeah, that's certainly yeah, a legendary call. And Gord Stelic, I mean, come on. That's when I think of TSN and I think of, you know, uh, hockey in Canada. That's it's one of the first names that comes to mind for sure. You know, the, the one of the best things about the experience of doing the Joe Bowen rap is I got to meet all these people and spend time with them, be mm-hmm. interviewed on the radio by them. Um, I would go to the fan regularly uh, because they would they would have me in the studio. They would do battle of the hockey songs they would interview me and then i got to uh uh meet with joe bowen a whole bunch of times gord stelic and you know the best was i so i was i was actually doing law school in windsor detroit at the time and i'd have to drive into toronto when they wanted to do these and the best was they actually interviewed me in the intermission of a leaf game so i was at the old Maple Leaf, Maple Leaf Gardens, yeah, yeah, and and um, you know, I don't know if you've had a chance to to experience the older stadiums. But I have actually the, the meet. I, I've I've yeah. sat in the nosebleeds uh, as a young hockey player. One of my teams went to Toronto for a tournament, and uh, Mississauga actually, and um, we went to two Leafs games, and I actually got to see. Um, Wendell Clark fight twice against Bob Probert Amazing. on the same weekend. They had a back. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got to see, I've only been there that one time, and, and I got to see Wendell Clark and Bob Probert throw down. So I only have great memories of Maple Leaf Gardens. Were you in the Grays? I was in the t- like second row from the top. Okay, that's the Grays. Yeah. Oh, yeah Actually, we my there. first Leaf game. Yeah, my, my first Leaf game was in the Grays as well. That's the nosebleeds. Um, but, you know, those those media rooms where, where the legends like Foster Hewitt were doing the original radio broadcasts and they're, they're kind of tiny spaces because they never anticipated large media, TV, and so forth. And right. so I was in the – with Joe Bowen, Gord Stelic, and I had to squeeze into this little area. And the, it was uh, Toronto playing the Winnipeg Jets. And during the first intermission, uh, they interviewed me. It was, it was great. It was like a, a, any hockey fan's dream come true. It was amazing. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh... – now that I know your inspiration for writing the song, let's talk a little bit about the 93 season. Um, the, like you said, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been through quite a drought. Um, you were starting to feel this buzz around the team. Um, you had Doug Gilmore. You had uh, you had Wendell Clark as your captain. Um, you had a great season behind, uh, I think the Red Wings might have been a step ahead in the Blackhawks. But... The Toronto Maple Leafs were a team on the rise. Like you said, they were a hard-nosed, tough team to play against. What do you remember most about that growth of that team in the 93 season? I think the thing that I remember the most is they outperformed what they were on paper. Right. Their spirit was infectious. And, you know, the, the Leaf, Leaf fans have gone through such a drought, the Ballard years and thereafter and the and the Maple Leafs had just brought on Cliff Fletcher, and he was rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And they had made some acquisitions, obviously Gilmore. 
Um, and then in goaltending, they had some interesting goaltending at the time too. Um, and the momentum just started building and they caught a wave. Uh, I, you know, like I said, it really started in February of that year uh, because people thought it was just going to be another season. Lee Smith missed the playoffs and they were just on fire and everybody was was showed up for every single game and that was led by dougie gilmore who was one of the best gamers of all time like he gives his heart and soul and he had a career season that year yeah and the leafs yeah the leafs set so many records i think they finished with like 99 points which was a a team record um 25 home wins which was a team record uh i think i think glenn anderson scored his thousandth point Mm-hmm. That season, um, Andrew Chuck had a had uh, a lot he of goals. Scored twenty five goals that year. Andrew exactly, Chuck, yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing. And I mean, and, yeah, you had Felix Pot fan. You even had Grant Fjord. So, <laughs> I'm I'm just looking. I'm I'm looking at the roster and remembering some of these the people that were on that team. Mike Foligno, uh chipping in with thirteen goals. And Doug Gilmore exactly. obviously led the team with a career year at 127 points. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, Doug Gilmore did everything. Um, he he scored goals. He was, you know, if imagine somebody who could take the C off Wendell Clark's jersey. Yeah, I mean, like how amazing you have to be, and yeah. and how amazing Wendell Clark would have to be to do that. Uh, because he is, he, I mean, you know, he's got so much heart and soul too, but, uh, that went to Doug Gilmore and every single person on that team, including, you know, guys that maybe people don't remember like Sylvain Lefebvre, uh, and, and others just, they were there every game playing their heart. heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, some of the uh, John Collin, Dave Allett, Glenn Anderson, Borchevsky, this team, hard-nosed players. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Mike Foligno, who, who um, you know, would do the famous leap after every yep. goal. Uh, and there was and, – and the and the goaltending was amazing too. Darren Pupa, Grant Fuhrer, Felix Potvin, and the rookie – uh, the, the, the young guy, um, was the goaltender to go to even when they had Grant Fuhrer and Darren Pupa. Right. It's amazing. Incredible. I mean, uh, and yeah, yeah, you're right. They did not look like an on paper when you took, if you put that roster next to the 92, 93 Detroit Red Wings roster, I mean, they're outclassed. They're outclassed. But this team just had something special around it. And like you said, uh, it, it had been a long time be, 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 between, you know, that feeling of excitement in the city of Toronto about hockey. Chris, I'll tell you, um, Toronto fans will remember this, okay? Every single time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a round in the playoffs – you would have hundreds of thousands of people on the streets going down Young Street. It, it was as if they won the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. Everybody was so starved for hockey and and wins and excitement. And that year was, in my memory, 
of hockey for the past 50 years in Toronto because the last time they won was before I was born. That was like uh, 67 season. It was the best season, I think, for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, during the past five decades. Yeah. Just the most exciting one. Let's talk a little bit about their playoff run that year. Their first round series, um, the Leafs played Detroit. So, I mean, they were up against Sergei Fedorov and Steve Eiserman and Nick Lidstrom and the best of the Detroit Red Wings at the time, correct? Yeah, and you said it. On paper, this wasn't really a contest. Yeah. And they won as, in seven games. As- Exactly. They so, won yeah. in seven games. Um, Borshevsky's goal. Yeah. Um, I mean, it showed so much heart. Yeah. And the, the, the Detroit Red Wings had multiple first-team All-Star players uh, that are legends. And um, Detroit obviously won a lot of cups uh, around that era. Mm-hmm. And uh, Toronto Maple Leafs beat them. It was it was amazing. Yeah, that it was, was it, certainly a turning point because the other series in their bracket at the time had the uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, who were the I believe the top team in the league that season, or no, or maybe second or second or third in the whole league. But they were leading the uh, the Campbell Conference that year. They were they were the top team in the Campbell Conference, and they got swept by St. Louis in the first round. So Toronto upsets Detroit. And St. Louis upsets Chicago, and they went into the second round, and Toronto beat them as well in seven games. So their second yes. round series was just as tough as the first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that went games uh, seven games, as I recall, and it was it was a battle. Um, but actually, the last game. As I remember, I want to take a look at this. Yeah, yeah the, you know, what was amazing is that the last game was a blowout. The Leafs won 6 nothing. Okay. In game seven. And, and it was amazing uh, just to watch. And Wendell Clark had, had uh, multiple goals that night. Um, so you, you don't typically see that in a game seven. But, okay. Uh, but we got to see it that that series, and on to the conference finals where where they had to play the uh, the Wayne Gretzky led L.A. Kings, um, and if everyone remembers correctly, very controversial end to that series. Um, a high stick from Gretzky on Gilmore. Play gets reviewed. Carrie Fraser is raffing, of course, and and there's this huge d- discussion about whether or not uh, Gilmore was bleeding from the stick or the puck. And all, he, there's no penalty, and the Kings go on to win the game in overtime. And Gretzky scores the winner. I mean, I I remember this vividly. And uh, what do you what do you remember? Tell me about it from your point of view, Omar. It, that series was such a battle. Um, you know, and it was a battle of the hockey markets, one that was a traditional hockey market, Toronto, and the other one, which was something the NHL was trying to, to build. And and um, there was um, actually at that time, the 
McNall, who was the owner of the L.A. Kings, who brought Gretzky to L.A., was also the owner of the Toronto Argonauts. And so there was a connection there, uh, including John Candy back then. And so, I mean, it was a real rivalry. The the But that high stick, it just was like a dagger in the hearts of all Toronto fans. And, you know, everybody was saying they were the, the, the refs were trying to uh, deliver the game to the LA Kings and, and Gretzky for ratings and, and so forth. And all I can remember is that our hearts were broken, but we were so proud of the, the Leafs and how far they had gone. And if you're going to get beaten, might as well get beaten by 99 himself true so you had like three tough seven game series and uh, i mean i'm I'm a habs fan so we we got lucky that year and and we went on you won that yeah we ended up playing the kings in the finals and 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 beat them four games to one but i think it would have been a you know everyone everyone in canada that i know of would have would have absolutely like could you even imagine a habs leafs finals in 1993 you know, what would have been amazing is the goaltender matchup. Mm, I think, yeah. uh, uh, you know, what made the St. Louis series so great is you had Cujo versus Felix Potvin. Yeah. And that was amazing to watch. And just like baseball, where it's a pitcher's duel uh, in hockey, seeing a the goaltenders step up. I mean, you had some of the best goaltending in the NHL at that time between Montreal and, and Toronto. And, and that would have been just incredible not to mention the two most historic hockey teams ever. Yeah. Like Toronto Maple Leafs were dying for that. So it was when we didn't make the Stanley cup finals, um, that was heartbreaking but also like just to see something that I think you dreamed about as a kid, we dreamed about in Toronto, we dreamed about just having those two teams, those two, two historic teams get to play head to head for the Stanley Cup finals. It would have just been a dream come true. I couldn't agree more. And as a, as a hockey fan, um, you put your teams aside and say like that just would have been, I think it would have been so good for the country. It would have been good for hockey. Um, and uh, I would have loved to watch it with my old man. Me too, me too. And so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah. What would you have picked? Honestly, for that series. Honestly, yeah. I think I think with with the where the Leafs had been and how long it took them to get back to the top. Um, I can say it now. I would have been rooting for the Leafs. I think I I think I would have wanted the Leafs okay. to. To beat the Habs, even as a Habs fan, because you know the Habs won this. I, I saw the the Habs win the Stanley Cup in '87, and 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 it wasn't uh, you know for me it was that was enough in my lifetime, and and for the sake of hockey and hockey in Canada and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and and the run that the team was on, if it wasn't for that you know turning point in Game Seven against the Kings. They were. I felt like they were a team of destiny. Yeah, I felt the same way. I feel like that's almost sacrilege what you what you said, but it, it is. And I'm going to take some agree. serious heat for saying that. 
Yeah, uh, but you know, good for you for for saying that. I I feel the exact same way. I think on paper uh, they were pretty even, maybe even giving the edge to Montreal. Uh, but you know, in terms of the momentum and the spirit, I would definitely have given that to the Leafs uh, at that time, and and that's what winning. That's what ends up winning in those um, in a seven game series. Yeah, the Habs didn't have a superstar team at, in, in, at that time as well. I mean, their leader was Vinny Domfus, Kirk Muller, Brian Bellows. Um, they were a hardworking, they were a hardworking defensive team with with uh, yeah, with great goaltending. Exactly. Yeah. So I, exactly, it would have been a hell of a series. Too. It would have been a hell of a series. That's for sure. And and as like I said, I I'm a Habs fan, but number one, I'm a hockey fan, and I think it just it was it seemed like it would have been the right time for that to happen, and. And it seemed like it was destined to happen at the time. Yeah, it's so hard to get that now. Um, but uh, yeah, that would have been just amazing uh, for both cities and yeah. for hockey lovers everywhere. That's right. So, Omar, let's get back a little bit to uh, uh, to the song and uh, and your your singing career, your rapping career. I mean, you mentioned that you started doing some stuff when you were over in Asia. Um, what were there, were there was there other ideas you had about about being about going into music? I mean, you were you were destined to be a lawyer, it seems. But what were what were your thoughts about singing and, and writing music at the time? Well, um, I started rapping in high school. Scarborough, uh, you know, is one of the most vibrant areas for hip hop in Toronto. Uh, but, you know, as I mentioned, I have two rap personas. One is the Young Offender, which is more for uh, white audience. And the other one is like real hip hop, which is uh, Big O, the Haunted One. That was my rapping crew, uh, the Unique Elements. And we had our crew consisted of um, rappers from Detroit and Windsor, uh, okay. some of them coming from Toronto as well. So... The, the the young offender was more uh, the type of rapping that you hear on the Joe Bowen rap, which is funny lyrics, um, kind of Beastie Boys style. But the, our other crew, Unique Elements, was more underground hip hop, and and it was great. Like the the song that um, I mentioned that we did, that I did in Taiwan was more of the young offender style, and I remember that uh, doing that song. Um, have you been to Taipei before? Yeah, many times. Okay, have you ever been to Huashijie? What's that? Okay, so that <laughs> is a night. That's a night. The market night market in yeah. Taipei. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Where they sell snake blood and yeah. snake fat, and it's supposed to be an aphrodisiac. And so the night before the <laughs> recording, we went there and had the snake blood plus the venom. And so the next day, I'm going into the studio to to lay down the tracks for this song, which was part singing and me rapping. Yeah. And on the way, I just start throwing up. Like I, my stomach was sick. I was feeling so bad. And so, I I would be practicing uh, on the way, and I'd have to stop. And and I was so sick. And when I went to the studio, every uh, I would be laying down rap tracks and actually uh, getting sick to my stomach at the same time uh, because I had the local delicacy, which was snake venom, 
and uh, Snake Blood. Um, that was for the first track. But then I went on to um, do the Joe Bone rap, which made number four on the indie charts in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, HMV had, uh, if you remember HMV, they had their uh, indie charts uh, for uh, local local music. Um, and we and I did that for Hospital of Sick Kids. Yeah, but tell me a little uh, bit about that. So you eventually released the song in 94, and the idea behind it was to raise money for charity. How did you come to that decision in the, the Hospital for, for Sick Children? So in 93 was when I first released the track, and that was riding on the back of the of Toronto Maple Police Momentum. And I was getting calls from producers, like they would call the fan, the radio station and say, hey, link us up with this person. So they wanted to release it. There, there were some groups that wanted to release that track in 93. Um, and it didn't happen because we didn't know how far the lease were going to go. So what I did was I, um, a friend of mine, his name is Jeff Novak. He said he would, uh, he would be the manager for the track. We the next year we just went to the studio, we cleaned up the song, and um, uh, I decided that I wanted all the proceeds to go to charity. Uh, and uh, we picked Sick Kids Hospital. Joe Bowen is a big supporter of Sick Children's Hospital as well. Uh, and so then we went out and um, we released it, and and um, yeah, it it went for charity. And and back then that was really before CDs, so everything was on uh, was on tape, and it was selling around the city, uh, and uh, it got a lot of airplay too, which was amazing. Right. So, as a musician, I know what it's like to uh, to release music and to put yourself out there, and to you know that vulnerable feeling that you get when it happens. What were your expectations when you first decided to release the song? When you do something good you do it for love and so i did it because i loved hockey because i love the leafs because i was so impassioned by joe bowen's calls and that's what i originally did it for and it just because there was so much momentum it just grew bigger and bigger in the in the city the province and even the country i think it got played on 90 radio stations across the country everyone that carried leaf games uh a lot of fan uh, uh stations that focused on sports q107 played it um and so i'd hear them like i'd hear it just i'd be listening to the radio they play it i remember uh, a couple of times they had battle of the hockey songs which had stomping tom connor's hockey yeah. song yeah and glenn anderson had released a song that year the year before called leafs are the best and there was uh, other hockey songs too and um joe bone rap kept coming out on top like uh, you know maybe this is sacrilege but it it even beat stomping tom connor's yeah. it was it was fan voting and and uh, part of that is because people population so of pei is not very big yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So tell me about yeah. that first time you heard it. You're driving down the road, you hear your song on the radio, the Joe Bowen rap. How did you feel about it? Uh, it, it was incredible. Um, you know, the 
it was great to hear it. And, and all of a sudden you start getting phone calls from friends. Hey, I heard you on the radio. Great track. And, yeah. and, um, it developed momentum. Where can I get the song? And, and, uh, the next year we released it. And so when, when I was in law school, actually got to give a big shout out. A lot of my law school classmates were buying the song, uh, but people around Toronto, it was, it was great. It's amazing. Yeah. And speaking of shout outs, we should uh, give a shout out to Lauren Norris who, uh, who introduced us and who was uh, who's been a big help to the podcast and uh, you know uh, someone that uh, you had a relationship with when you were living here in Hong Kong. Yeah, Lauren Oris and I, um, great guy by the way. Uh, we actually met through rap music. Yes, tell I the story. Got, okay, so I had I had a track uh, under the Young Offender moniker called road trip and this is a song about going to western homecoming in 1988 and a lot of crazy things happened on that road trip which i rapped about and one of them was that i was of course back then we were doing a lot of drinking we were going to frat parties uh we had taken the road trip to to western homecoming and i was looking for saugeen which was the residence with, you know, a lot of beautiful women. And I, I um, met some guys and they took me, uh, I got into the car and we ended up having a brawl in a cornfield. It was four guys against one. So it wasn't that much of a match. Uh, it could have probably ended up a lot worse given that it was so many guys against me. I lost a shoe in the, in the fight. <laughs> Um, you know, regular like college town. Yeah, type classic of stuff. college I, I stuff. Pretty, right. I was pretty <laughs> wasted. And anyways, they, they left me there. And so I was like looking. The only way I could get back is I saw a light in the distance and I knew that was London, Ontario. And I started walking <laughs> back. And lucky for me, as I'm walking back with one shoe on a dirt road, the police come by and they pick me up and, and they said, hey, and I said, hey, I was trying to try, trying to uh, get to Saugeen, and I got rolled by all these guys, and they took me back. Anyways, fast forward, <laughs> I did a song about that, and and like and many other incidents called Road Trip. Yeah. And I'm rapping about that uh, when I remember in so so I released that in '92, and I remember rapping that track in 2001 when i was living in hong kong and i was at a party and lauren oris was in the audience and the the incident actually made the london free press newspaper so you know in the rap i say this is a true story as you can guess front page next morning london free press and Lauren Oris happened to be the president of Students Association of University of Western that yeah. year. And he actually had to respond to the police and everybody uh, with what happened. And that was one of the major incidents that was reported. It actually made the newspaper. And he's in the audience at a party we're throwing in Hong Kong. And he's going, you're the guy. <laughs> you're that guy that yeah. that happened to. I remember that incident. And uh, and then after that, we became best buddies. 
It's really funny, man, because uh, we're on, we've never met. We're on different sides of the planet, and we both met Laura Norris kind of the same way through music. He, he, he randomly was uh, at a gig that I was playing and with my band Phantom Power, and he's a, he was a huge Tragically Hip fan, and uh, we immediately bonded, and, and we had some great chats the first night, and, uh, yeah, it just went from there. You know, Lauren loves hockey. He's a great friend, and uh, I hope, um, you know, on my next visit to Hong Kong, uh, both of us can see you play. Yeah, we'll make that happen, man. Just make sure I know when you're coming so I can make that, I can plan that, because that would be awesome. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So let's get back to your song for a sec here. So the song led you to some really cool experiences. You mentioned earlier um, your interview at Maple Leaf Gardens. When you wrote this song, though, were you secretly hoping that it would lead you to meeting Joe Bowen? Um. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, like I said, I, I wrote the song because I loved uh, hockey, I loved hip-hop, I loved the Leafs, uh, and I was so blown away with the passion of Joe Bowen. Um, so I just did it for the love of it, but you know what? I ended up spending a lot of time with Joe Bowen and Gord Stelic as well, yeah. and some of the other personalities at the fan. What, uh, radio stations. What, so. were, what were Joe's reactions to the song, and, and what would what would he talk to you about mostly? He he was blown away, um, and he really is a modest guy. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was. He, I mean, he loved it. He's got a great sense of humor. Same with Gord Stelic. The he he um, helped me with. He actually gave me coaching skills on how to protect voice. I still remember them. Don't drink milk. Don't do this. Do this to protect your voice. I mean, in some ways, a rapper. He, he is in in some ways a rapper himself. Yeah, of I mean, course. he's up there. Yeah, yeah. With the, with the mic in hand, and some of his calls are so hard to make. You you heard me on the on the rap trying to, you know, holy Mackinac, what a save! But right. I, I mean, to do that night after night is just incredible. Yeah, and to do it with so. that kind of passion. I mean, you're right. It's very relatable to to a musician or a rapper, someone who's putting it on out there every single night with with a hundred percent passion. You're speaking at like crazy uh, rates of speed. I mean, <laughs> calling a game, uh, doing the play by play, it's no joke. Chris, you do music as well. Um, and you can't fake that. No. Your heart has to come out to 100%. the audience. That's the same with, yeah, that's the same with hip hop. That's the same with, um, that's the same with, uh, calling the, the games. And, you know, um, I want to say that actually just going back to, we were talking about rap career and so forth in, in Detroit, um, you know, we were we were in Detroit during those days of Eight Mile movie of Eminem, right? And we were rapping with those guys. We were rapping with Proof. We had our own radio station show wow. in Windsor, yeah. And they would come over and they would do freestyles on our radio show. And if you you've seen the movie Eight Mile, of course, before. I love Eminem. Absolutely, okay, huge so, fan. Yeah, yeah, and so the. the most of the scenes there were at um, the shelter and we would go to the shelter every Wednesday night. It was hip hop night. And we saw those freestyles. 
Um, there was the hip hop shop on eight mile, which was, you know, just close to seven mile where we'd go for freestyle sessions. And the, the, the amazing thing is if you were keeping it real, if you really came from the heart, if you, um, resonated, everybody respected you. Right. And, and if you were trying to fake things, nobody respected you. It doesn't matter if you could rap fast or slow didn't matter and and so we you know there was a lot of um rappers that came out of that 313 detroit circle eminem proof um and um yeah we got to we got to experience that and and we would get up and rap and freestyle and 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 produce you know put up our productions on radio and and live as well and that was a great experience i can only imagine and at that time um Whatever happened to Young Offender after that? And did you do any more rapping after your um, after you got into law school? Um, so in law school, I kept the rapping going. Uh, I would do parties, and but really, I transferred over to Big O, the Haunted One. I started uh, producing more underground hip hop tracks uh, with our crew in Windsor and Detroit. Okay, uh, and that was that was that was a different style. Okay. And then, you know, what was amazing is, so there, there's somebody called Paul Rosenberg. Um, him and I were classmates in Detroit Law School. And him and I were talking about putting a crew together. And I got a scholarship that year to study Mandarin in Taipei. So I, I, I left for Taipei. I chose China. Uh, and he went on. He took Eminem's um, demo take tape took it to dr dre and he became eminem's manager from that point on and went on to manage 50 cent and cypress hill so i mean those were real amazing wow. historic days incredible man that's uh that's some that's some big stuff right there yeah yeah so yeah i'm you, really lucky yeah man that's awesome um before we talk about the NHL, let's uh, let's expand a little bit on what you did after that. You just said that you took a scholarship to move to Beijing to learn Mandarin. What inspired you to do that? So I had already uh, lived in Taipei uh, for a year. Uh, that was before I wrote the Joe Bowen mm -hmm. rap. Um, and then I just realized the direction the world was going to go geopolitically, economically, uh, China was the future, and and so I just hunkered down. I got a scholarship to study Mandarin in Taipei, um, and then after that, I moved to Hong Kong and and Beijing, and I set up a couple of businesses in Zhongguansun, which is the Silicon Valley of of China mm -hmm. at that time. That was ninety six, um, and so what kind of businesses time, are you setting up? I, we had a, a technology incubator, okay, and also I had a partnership with two um, two figures in China, uh, where we would be helping startups in China because they needed foreign investment and right. and uh, they needed. Uh, it was like an incubator, but it was an advisory. Gotcha. And yeah, and and so I was there during the early days of of uh, dot com days and. Eventually, I had to go back to law school and graduated from law school. But when I came back, I, I worked with some of the 
the companies, we didn't know how big they were going to be, but NetEase, Baidu, Alibaba, um, and uh, the we invented something called the VIE structure, which allowed uh, foreign investment into internet companies for the first time in China ever. And we we did the initial IPOs on NASDAQ for internet companies. That was really cool. Uh, my two partners went on to be, uh, we, we worked on the IPO for them. They, uh, they founded the largest private school in China, New Oriental, uh, which was amazing. And I went on to become partner um, at Baker McKenzie in New York, which um, is a major law firm in the United States, it's a global firm. But eventually, uh, I just set up my own shop and started doing deals between US and China. So uh, I live in Beijing. I spend a lot of time in New York. I work with uh, companies on both sides of the pond and, and I just do deals. It's amazing. I love it. I can only imagine. And I haven't been to Beijing yet. When was the last time you were there? Are you going back a couple times a year? I mean, before the pandemic happened. Um, were you, are you traveling back between New York and Beijing quite often? So I actually live in Beijing. I live in Beijing. Uh, our place is there, uh, but I also keep a foot in New York too because I uh, do a lot of work on this side of the pond as well. Um, during the pandemic, uh, we were here for the holidays, and then we saw what was what was developing. So okay. we decided to shift over to New York, but then gotcha. the virus came to New York. And right now, it's the situation is is difficult um, to to cross borders. So I'm just waiting back, waiting to head back to China as soon as the borders start to open up. Right. And have you had any uh, any opportunities to go watch live hockey in Beijing and go see the Kunlun Red Star um, or any of the other hockey that's going on in 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 and around the area? When I was my earlier days in Beijing, we did play tournaments in China. Um, we would play some of the teams in, from Dongbei, the Northeast, uh, Inner Mongolia. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to really see um, hockey since that time. Uh, I do go to a lot of New York Rangers games when I'm in when I'm in New York, which is which is a lot of fun. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about NHL right now. Are you as excited yeah. as I am to see the return of the NHL playoffs? Super excited. Awesome. Super excited. I mean, it's it's a it's kind of like one of those situations where you just have to accept what it is and, you know, um drop all your you know all the, the the preconceived notions you have about what it what it is, what the NHL playoffs are like. It's a different year. It's a different time. Tough decisions had to be made. What do you think of the format? You know what? You're a Habs fan. Yeah. I'm a Leafs fan and a Rangers fan now because I've spent so much time in New York. Yeah. And it's I can good say for the Rangers. we are. We're so lucky. Yeah. We're so lucky. Like, uh, guess what? Canadians are now in the playoffs. That's right. Rangers are now in the playoffs. And do you know they what? They have a chance. They have a chance. And who who's going to start nets for the Rangers? Is it are they going to go with Lundqvist or are they going to go with one of the new guys? It's going to be Lundqvist. It has to be, right? Because this is where yeah, it has to be. This, this is, is the where end. he's yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Lundqvist yeah. doesn't have a, a many years left, and uh, 
they have to. They definitely have to give him at least a start in game one and see what happens. He didn't have a great season. Yeah. But you know what? He is a professional. Yeah. He's a legend. One of the greatest playoff goaltenders, regular season goaltenders, and he's going to step up. I believe he's going to make a big difference. He's a gamer. And that, that's, yeah, he's a gamer, exactly. And, and that series, um, I think you're going to see an upset. Yeah, the that, that's the one. That's the series we're going to see the upset, the Canes. Exactly. Okay. I, I think Rangers have won all four games this yeah. year. They've got the Canes number. Yeah, they you know, do. Notwithstanding on paper. Yeah, New York is not as good as 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 the Hurricanes, but I, I think that you're going to see an upset in that series. Well, the Rangers have the best player in Panarin, and they also have that that line, the Panarin line with uh, Zabanajad has just been Dylan Strom. I think is their other winger, but doesn't even matter but with with Zibanejad and and Panarin I mean anything can happen the Canes it's just one of those teams that you just you're right the Rangers have their number they beat them all four times and I think in in even in past years I think Lungfist has had their number yep um I'm I'm picking Rangers for that series and uh it's been such a treat to see the bread man play this year He's I mean, a beauty, man. He just it's a beauty. It yeah. it really reminds me of Guy Lafleur in the seventies. Really, that's an interesting yeah. comparison. Yeah, just so much finesse. Uh, just so exciting to watch. Uh, whether scoring or or assists, I mean, yeah. he's a playmaker, just like Guy Lafleur. Just an exciting player, no matter where he is on the ice. I'm excited to see the Habs too. Um, you know, I really—it's one of those things where they don't stack up man for man against the Penguins, especially with both. Which is an exciting thing to see. All the teams are going to be healthy, um, and a healthy Pittsburgh Penguins is a scary lineup when you got um, Sid and Gino up the middle, and Jake Gensel's going to be back, which he wouldn't have been playing in the playoffs. So Montreal's definitely got their their work cut out for them. But when you got Carey Price, you got a chance. And um, the only thing is this year that the Habs power play really struggled. And um, when there's a team that's, you know, a little goal hungry and, and you know, not, not, they got to score four goals a night or three goals a night, it's, it's really hard for the, for the Montreal Canadiens. So if they can get their power play going and, and you know, if, if Price can play anything to, to – what he's capable of, they definitely have a chance. But I wouldn't go out and say that the Habs are going to upset the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's a tough call to make. I think just having the Canadians uh, in the playoffs is a treat for Montreal fans. Of course, yeah. Um, you know, goaltending can win a series, uh, but it's really tough to go up against Crosby and the Penguins. Yeah. They're so. It is a short series, but I mean, yeah, you're right. Certainly a tall task. Let's take a look at your team and their series. I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets are not going to be a pushover, and everyone knows that, and I don't think they're going to surprise the Toronto Maple Leafs the way that they surprised the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. I mean, John Tortorella is, you know, he's going to go down in history as possibly one of the best coaches of all times. If he wins another Jack Adams this year, that'll be his third. 
I mean, he's in elite company at that point. Does that scare you at all about the Columbus Blue Jackets and John Tortorella coming into Toronto to play the Leafs? Yeah, Tortorella is an amazing coach. Um, you know, he builds teams. Uh, anything can happen. This is the, I think for the 2020 playoffs, this is the closest matchup there is. Um, you know, I think the Leafs are lucky that they're not going up against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, or another seed at the start. Uh, that would have been probably the end of the season for the for the Leafs, frankly. Mm-hmm. But I think this is this is a very equal matchup. But I'm going to, you know, I, I think the Leafs are going to take this one. On paper, the Leafs look great. I think that sometimes they play up to their potential. Uh, leading up to the playoffs, they haven't been playing up to their potential. But one thing that always happens is with this recent team is they've got so many great goal scorers that at the beginning of the season, they just go wild and you have so many goals and they don't really pay attention to defense as much, but you get a lot of goals and which allows them to win. And I, I, I really see this reset as people coming back to a new season. They've had so much time off and uh, they're going to be so hungry to play, so it's going to be like September again. And I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to watching an exciting team. Like, I love the '93 season, '94 season Leafs, but I haven't seen this level of talent on a Leaf team, um, you know, since that time. And I would say that on paper they're better than the '93, '94 Leafs. Yeah, no question. And and like you said, certainly one of the most exciting Leafs teams. That we, the Leafs haven't had this kind of scoring talent on their team in a long, long time. And and I'm excited to see them play too. And especially, you know, like I said earlier, at full health, I mean, these guys are going to be flying. The only thing is, uh, I, the only thing I worry about is jumping right back into the playoffs and not having to that, that build up to the Stanley Cup that that grind in the last two weeks of the season, you know, and, and that teams, teams separate themselves from the pack at that point and, and they go into the playoffs on a high note. But like you said, on the other side of the coin, you got, you got a healthy, fresh, young team who's going to come back real hungry. So certainly unpredictable what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm very interested to see. Yeah. And it's going to be fun to watch uh, Nick Felino on Columbus, who is kind of like a homecoming because his father uh, played for the Leafs as well. Um, that's going to be interesting to watch too. Yeah, I can't wait. I just uh, I hope it I hope it happens and nothing interrupts the uh, the phases and the plans that have been put in place. I think the NHL has done a great job, and I'm hoping one of those hub cities is in Canada. I'm thinking probably Rexall Place in Edmonton, and and my second guess is maybe uh, the. The other location might be Las Vegas, but we we really don't know what's going to happen. I just hope everything follows through and they keep progressing the way they are at this point. I think we can scratch some cities off the list. You can, Uh, yeah. You know, St. Paul is not going to be chosen uh, (laughs) because of the situation now. 
Um, I think Las Vegas, let's see what happens uh, with the gambling. I think that that is probably going to be the selection if everything goes smoothly with them opening up the casinos again. Yeah. And hopefully the other city is a Canadian city. Yeah, I'm thinking they're going to have to choose a, a, a north of the border team and, and the south of the border, or sorry, uh, location. Rexall Place in Canada is probably the best. I mean, Alberta's done a great job handling the pandemic. They can probably uh, provide the uh, the testing that's needed and um, without taking away from the community. They've also got a state-of-the-art new arena that's connected to multiple hotels, which for quarantining for a couple of months is super important. There's probably no other city in Canada that can, that can offer that kind of... Uh, environment for for eight teams to come in and be isolated exactly and and chris i'm so excited about the nhl playoffs um too man you know here yeah here in new york uh in the united states people are so hungry for sports where you're in hong kong right now and and hong kong when they talk about the pandemic they're talking maybe about when schools are going to open up when businesses are going to open up but uh, you know 30 40% of the discussion in, in the US and Canada is when sports are going to come back and you know kudos to the NHL for for really among the among the uh, professional leagues stepping up first and just saying okay this is how we're going to do it uh, i'm just really really excited it's it's coming at a great time and and we need we need some luck as well um but you know um i think that we've learned enough about what the the virus and and uh, i'm really looking forward to the playoffs this year i couldn't agree more and that sound brings us to the end of the interview. Omar, do you got time to stick around for some overtime questions? Absolutely. All Absolutely, right. buddy. Overtime is brought to you by Yardley Brothers Beer. Got yourself some spicy chicken wings or delicious pizza? What better way to wash it down than with some Yardley Brothers Beer? That's right, folks. We're stoked to have Yardley Brothers Beer as one of our sponsors. These guys are known for their scrumptious sour beers, as well as loads of other delicious brews like Lama Island IPA, Hong Kong Bastard Imperial Ale, Quit Your Job Saison, and my favorite, Machine Man Pale Ale. Want to get some of this delicious stuff inside your belly? You can find it at The Globe, Peel 65, Roundhouse, or Lama Grill. Well, heck, even swing by City Super or The Wanch. They got some bottles there. Find yourself wandering over on Lama Island? Yardley Brothers even have a beer shack over there. Their new location is even closer to the Ferry Pier. They'll be serving cold pints from November. Visit their website for more information at yardleybrothers.hk. Overtime! <laughs> All right, Omar, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 rapid-fire questions or one-timers, followed by one final bonus question for our listeners. Answer the questions as quickly as possible. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Crosby or McDavid? Crosby. Nordiques or Whalers? Nordiques, for P sure. Price or Rask? Price. Brashear or McSorley? Brashear. Ovechkin or Malkin? Ovechkin. Lindros or Neely? Lindros. Scott Stevens or Wendell Clark? Oh, Wendell Clark. Of, of course. course. <laughs> Matt Sundin. Or Peter Forsberg? Matt Sundin. Pierre Maguire or Kelly Rudy? Kelly Rudy. 
fighting or no fighting? You know my position on that. Fighting all the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Finally, Omar, who was your favorite Maple Leaf of all time? Number 21. I think the greatest defenseman in my books ever, Boreas Salming. There you have it, folks. Boreas Salming from Omar Osden. Omar, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and taking some time to come and talk to me. Uh, and I wish you nothing but the best in your future and hope you can get back to China. Stay healthy and, and nothing but the best to you and your family. Yeah, thanks, Chris. And I loved uh, being on here. And I think people can check out the track on YouTube. Yep, I'll Please share the link. Please take a look at that. Young Offender. And you know what? If you want to relive for Leaf fans the 93 season, there's a great video on YouTube called The Passion Returns. You could look that up. You know, um, it's great to live hockey memory together. Thanks a lot, Chris. You're very welcome. Thank you, Omar. That was Across the Pond, and that's a wrap. <laughs>